Hey Saluki fans, this is Caitlin Clausen, a senior on the women's basketball team, and you're listening to the Saluki Standards Podcast. That's Missouri Valley Conference Good Neighbor Award recipient Caitlin Clausen bringing us in for Episode 6 of the Saluki Standards Podcast. Connor Onion back with you. Uh, but good work in the classroom and community to win that award for Caitlin Clausen. 3.8 GPA in her undergrad and uh, currently getting her MBA and over 100 hours of community service and vice president of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. So that uh, that resume for Caitlin Clausen is pretty lengthy. We'll cover a lot, including her upbringing in Kansas, the influence of her grandfather, who's a track coach, and also those community service opportunities that she's had to give back to the Carbondale and Southern Illinois community. That's all here with Episode 6, Caitlin Clausen on the Saluki Standards Podcast with women's basketball. What's the best part of living in Kansas or growing up in Kansas? I would just have to say how personable everybody is like you're not gonna meet someone that won't hold the door open for you or ask you how you're doing or you know you have the typical one finger wave when you're driving back on those back roads and everybody <laughs> seems to know everybody is that the middle finger no 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 not the middle finger <laughs> you know if you're real special you get two fingers you got your index and your middle but you know everybody passes and you wave and okay. it doesn't matter who it is i was gonna say in chicago the one finger <laughs> wave is is a little different than in kansas apparently yeah yeah no no middle finger <laughs> It's all how you doing. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, you grew up in uh, Manhattan, which, of course, is, uh, uh, you know, kind of a metropolis area with the university right there. Yeah, it's uh, pretty where, cool. Where do, where do I got to go to eat? Oh, I'm going man. to Manhattan. Uh, well, unfortunately, my favorite place closed a couple years ago, which okay. was uh, Willie's. I had the best chicken fingers. But I would have to say my favorite place to eat Um. I don't know, this is going to be, it's not necessarily in Manhattan, but if you drive out to Riley, which is about 20 minutes, you can eat at Nelson's Landing, which is Jordy Nelson's family oh, restaurant, okay. but it's got really good pie. Okay, I'm a Packers fan, so that would be, yeah, yeah that would be a spot for me. So I got to go to Manhattan to go to Riley. Yeah, it's just a little bit outside Manhattan, but not too far. Okay, I'm going to come check that out. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's let's get into the Saluki standards here a little bit. Um, at, at the baseline, it's integrity, That's that's kind of the first word that jumps out in the bottom of the pyramid i wanted to talk to you specifically about pride uh we'll get into your story a little bit here but you've been through so much in your career and it strikes me that that you're really proud to be a saluki you've stayed your entire career here you've put a lot in in the classroom and on the court why are you proud to represent the university in the the fashion that you have I think it's just you grow up and it's this ultimate dream to play college basketball. It doesn't matter at what level. And to be able to be part of the 1% that gets to do it is just pretty amazing. And I want to take every opportunity to just give back that I can. I mean, I think that's just important because I'm blessed to be here and I just want to help someone else. When did it hit you that – you might be part of that 1%, that that you were good enough to achieve playing basketball at this level? Uh, my senior year, going into my senior year, I got a bunch of phone calls after our last AAU tournament, and I was just overwhelmed. And I think it was just, uh, wow, you know, this is, this is real. Like, I have to make some really big decisions, but I'm going to go play basketball and get my education paid for. And, you know, you just have to be smart about it, but... 
it, it just hit me all at once and I, and I didn't know what to do. So I was calling family, I was calling friends, anybody that could help me make the decision I was talking to. Who pushed you the most? Um, I don't think anybody really ever pushed me. It was just everybody wanted me to make the best decision for me. And I talked to my uh, AU coaches who were collegiate basketball players, and they helped. Uh, my parents were very supportive of anything, and everybody just wanted me to have fun. And that was the most important part. Yeah. What stood out to you about the options that you had here? Well, number one, it was the team because they were just so welcoming when I came on my visit, and you just wanna you just wanna be a part of something that's like that. Like, I'm eight hours away from home, and I'm very much a homebody, so just not being able to drive to see my parents every day, or you know, just them not being able to make it to every game, having people here that could support me was a big deal, and that's what I liked about here, and obviously the College of Business is really, really good, and uh, that helped seal the deal. Was there some pull from family to say, hey, why don't you stay in Kansas? Stay close to home. Uh, no, not not really. It was just, like I said, they wanted me to be happy. And uh, they were very supportive of my decision not to go farther than eight hours away <laughs> from home. But sure. that they just they just wanted me to be happy, and that was it. And as long as I was happy, it was okay. Thank goodness it wasn't Maine. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> How did Coach Stein find you? Um, you know, I'm not really all that sure, but I know that uh, one of the previous coaches came and watched a bunch of my games and got lost driving through the backwoods in Kansas. But uh, I just, I'm blessed that they found me and that I could come here and get to play basketball for four years because that was something that I hadn't anticipated coming out of high school. I knew you knew of Wichita yeah. being in the conference and being in the state where you grew up. How much did you know about SIU before they actually reached out? Oh, nothing. I had no idea that this school existed until they started recruiting me. And then, you know, it seems like everywhere you go, you run into a Saluki. And uh, I, we are family friends with the Lowrys, and they were a good, good talking point with me because they explained – like the area and the good places to eat in Carbondale and they told me it was a really great school and that I would have a lot of fun here and so I'm thankful that they were willing to help me. Chris Lowry, former player and head coach here at SIU at the men's program. Were you guys friends with them before? Yeah, um, when they first moved to Manhattan, uh, their son CJ started playing football with my little brother and then uh, their youngest daughter is about the same age as my cousin so they were playing travel basketball together so we got to know them really well okay so then SIU reaches out you've got the Lowry connection what were some of the specifics that that coach Lowry shared with you about coming to this place oh they said that the environment was great and that the school was great um, that the fans supported every team, and you know, and I've seen that you have as many fans at a softball game as you do at a basketball game, and I think that's really cool, especially as a female athlete. That that doesn't happen everywhere. Um, Erica told me that I needed to make sure that I ate at Pags and uh, Italian Village and everywhere. <laughs> she was just like, "This is the place that you've got to hit up." Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, did they flash some of the? championship rings no no they were they were good about just letting me make my decision but helping me know the area (laughs) yeah no that's uh no that's that's cool how that all came together what i mean when you talk to them now uh now that you have some experience here what can you share back with them about um some of the the mutual experiences that you have here in carbondale 
I mean, I think for the most part, I talk about how much I like the food. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big thing. Yep. But uh, I think it's just cool that, you know, they kind of asked me how things have changed. Uh, they were here for homecoming hoops. And so it was nice to see them and, you know, have a little bit of home come back. Um, it's really just they ask me how I'm doing and want to make sure that I'm okay, which I think is really cool. How much basketball advice do you get from Coach Lowry? Uh, he, he, you know, he just keeps it real and just tells me keep working hard. And I think that's the most important thing is you want someone to support you, but tell you tell it to you straight. Sure, sure. You were a you were a stud in softball too. I was okay in high school. <laughs> you, you were? Are you being humble? Uh, I mean, I was okay. I wasn't. I wouldn't say it was too great. Okay. Well, I mean, you. You played for three years. You were the starting shortstop on your high school team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was there any thought of playing some college softball? Uh, Kind of, but I didn't really like it enough to put in the amount of work that collegiate sports require, and uh, I didn't want to ruin the fun of it because right. half the time I was out there just goofing off, and I knew, <laughs> I knew that we couldn't do that in college. So. Yeah. You uh, you play a lot of games in that sport, too. That's Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of fun messing with catchers. Yeah. <laughs> you, you better like it. <laughs> yeah. if you're playing that much yeah uh let's let's talk about leadership a little bit too uh, you know you're, you're you're kind of in a unique position where um you know after your injury you haven't had a chance to play a lot but i, I feel like you still have a, a platform as a leader being one of the older players and being through a lot uh, how do you lead when you're not playing all the time uh i think it's just recognizing what's going out on the court and uh, my teammates are willing to listen to me and I think that's the biggest thing is they see that even though I might not be out on the court I can see a lot of stuff that's happening from the sideline and any kind of advice I can give them I try to and they're very open to it and I think uh, that it just plays a big part in the culture that we have here is everybody's willing to listen to everybody regardless of playing time. Do you feel like another coach sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's in your future at some point? Uh, we'll see. I'm not quite sure what I want to do post-college, but uh, I do have a coaching job for this summer lined up, so we'll see how that goes. And if I like it, I might stick with it. High school, or, or what are you going to be doing? Uh, coaching for a traveling team, uh, the same organization my sister plays for, so I can watch her play and get some coaching experience okay you're gonna bring some some coach stein wrinkles to, yeah. to the travel ball game oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. um what about with uh with, with off the floor you're the vice president of the student athlete advisory committee here uh you know you've, you've got that platform to lead other athletes as well uh what all goes into to your position there uh, well, we help set up meetings. We help run the meetings. Uh, I work real close with other student athletes in getting uh, volunteer opportunities set up. Pretty much the athletes are the ones running SAC, and I think that's uh, cool that Connor lets us do that just because it's giving us experience and, you know, that we have complete control over what's going on. Why do you think – I mean, that's, uh, that's a peer-elected position, right? Right. Why do you think uh, your peers looked at you – and wanted to put that responsibility in your hands? Oh, I mean, I think I like, I just got lucky. I mean, I tried to do the best that I can, and I'm happy that they thought that I would be good for the position, and I just try and keep doing the best that I can and make sure that I'm making them proud. Sure. Who's uh, Who's been the best leader in your life? Who's influenced your leadership style? Uh, I think, honestly, uh, my parents is a big one, but my, also my grandpa. Just because um, he was an old track coach, 
Uh, one of my favorite stories that my mom tells me is my grandpa was a coach back when there was still some segregation, and he refused to let his team stay at a hotel that wouldn't let all of his athletes stay. And he's like, nope, we're just going to pack up and we'll find somewhere else. And that sticks out to me because that's the kind of leader he was, and I want to be that kind of person that groups everybody together and doesn't let anything happen and works for the best as a whole. How old were you when you heard that story for the first time? Oh, it was probably a few years ago because my grandpa doesn't talk very much about it, but he supports all of us grandkids. But um, just hearing that story from my mom, it's like, wow, you know, you, you just aspire to be someone like that. Yeah. How did how did that hit you when when you first heard that story? I mean, I already thought my grandpa was cool, but that just made him even cooler. <laughs> yeah. No, that is that is pretty neat. You never got into track then? I tried a little bit, but I'm just not very fast. So yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of running, and I was like, oh, it's all right. I'm going to play another sport. <laughs> sure. Uh, what traits of your grandpa do you see in, in the way that you lead? I think it's just uh, he's very cool and collected and just wants everybody to do the best that they can, and that's what I, that's what I try to do. Um, I try not to let myself get too too caught up in the emotion of things and I try to see the logical side or try to keep calm when everybody else is kind of going crazy make a focus but um, I think I think that's the big thing is just making sure that we focus on the end goal and that's what he did Mm -hmm. when everybody else is going crazy I love that yeah when everybody else is going crazy I'm pretty calm (laughs) yeah yeah let's let's talk about toughness a little bit uh you know the 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 injury history that you have is is a difficult path you know your your freshman year you're healthy and then you get hurt um what was the most difficult part of of that entire experience uh, that was the first time I'd ever been injured, so I think that was honestly the most difficult part was just doing that. Like uh, I'd never twisted an ankle before. I had been relatively healthy throughout everything, and then I go and blow out my knee the first week of practice sophomore year, and that was just tough because I felt like I was in a good position. Um, I was working really hard. I felt good about the season, and then that happened, and I was it was just a shock, and I didn't really know what to do. What was what was more shocking or harder for you to to experience? Was it the the physical pain of the injury or the actual diagnosis from the doctor telling you you're not going to be able to play for a while? I think it was it was the diagnosis because, I mean, initially it's just the shock of what happens and it didn't really hurt too bad, but it was just a weird feeling for mm-hmm. your bottom half of your leg not to feel connected to the rest of your body right and then I had handled it pretty well I was trying to look at the positive side of things and think just maybe it's not as bad as it feels or you know as bad as everybody's saying it probably could be and then I got the phone call that it was pretty bad and I just I didn't know what to do and I just kind of sat on my bed and I stared at a wall for a little bit and both my parents were on the phone call with me um and I just kind of walked out. I talked to my roommate, Lauren, and I said, this is what happened. And she gave me a hug, and that's how I knew it was bad. (laughs) 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 That was the first time we'd ever hugged. And I was like, wow, wow. It just hit me. And kind of cue the waterworks. And then the next day I was good, and I was trying to find ways that I could still help the team. So there was never any thought of hanging it up No. quitting? No, never. Why not? I mean, it's it's just a knee injury. Everybody, 
some, I mean, there's so many people that have come back from it that it didn't once ever cross my mind that I wasn't going to be able to play again. Yeah. Who, I mean, you, you mentioned Lauren, you mentioned your parents. Who else was there for you to help keep things positive when things were hard? I think the rest of my teammates were too because they recognized when I was going through a hard time. Um, I think, you know, the second surgery I had, uh, Brittany came over to our apartment and gave me a card and <laughs> drew me a picture that had me with brittle knees breaking all the time. And then another picture with me with healthy knees playing. And she was like, I hope you get to the second picture. So, you know, you, you just got to take it and laugh at what happens because it's going to, I mean, things happen. You can't always control everything, but right. I could control how I responded to it. And that's what I focused on. Right. You, you hear a lot of times where, you know, athletes, you've got this identity and that's, you know, functioning on the court. And then you have to take time away where you can't do that. What other things were you able to focus on that you maybe didn't have perspective on when you weren't playing? Uh, I focused on the mechanics of the play and how why this cut won't work in this situation and trying to learn as much as I could from that trying to learn as much as I could from Coach Stein, Coach Collier, and all of them, and just become a better basketball player, not just someone I can go out there and play basketball, but to truly understand the game. Did did somebody point you in that direction, or was that just something you kind of took on yourself and said? Uh, I, think, I think it was just kind of a combination of just me wanting to be able to help in any way I could, and the coaches were real really good about uh, helping me do that. So I think it was just a combination of the two. What about the rehabilitation process? I know it can be long and taxing, and uh, I'm sure you get sick of it at times, but uh, what was the toughest part of, of that part of getting back? I, the toughest part was just everybody telling you, oh, it can take six months to recover, and then it took me 11. So that, that was the toughest part was thinking, oh, you're right on track for everything, and then you get to the testing process, and your, your quad's not growing back as fast as you want, or you can't pass the little kick test that I had to do. And that was the most frustrating part to me was I felt really good, I felt really strong, and then I went through the testing, and I, I wasn't as strong as they needed me to be. And that was the toughest part for me because I felt like I was working really hard and just not getting results. Did you get antsy when you got to six months? Yeah, I did. I did. And then, uh, you know, month 11 hit and I was like, you know, you just got to just got to push through. And luckily I passed my test. But I mean, it was it was tough. When you got there, I mean, was that the end of it or have there been reoccurring things that pop up? after you get the go-ahead? Uh, there were some reoccurring things. You know, uh, a lot of it is mental, and I would land funny, and i kind of catch myself, and you're not supposed to do that. Um, I would be really careful about how I jumped, and that's when most people hurt themselves again, so I had to get past that. Uh, then, you know, postseason, I was having a bunch of knee pain again, so I went in, had another MRI, there wasn't anything showing up on that, so we just decided, you know what, we're going to go explore and see if we can find anything. And luckily they did. They took it out, and I've been good ever since. But, you know, some days you wake up and there's knee pain. Some days right. you wake up and there's not. So you just kind of take the good days when they come and the bad days when they also come. Right. You, you, you mentioned how you've kept a, a pretty positive and optimistic outlook through the whole thing. Uh, do you ever let yourself think about the what-ifs? What if what if the knee injury had never happened? Uh, sometimes, but then, you know, you guys got to go back and look and say, oh, it did happen. You can't change it, so this is your new normal. Right. Just-
right. just go with it. Right. What advice would you give to somebody else that's going through the same process? Just believe that it will get better and work as hard as you can. And that's, I mean, that's all you can do is just focus on what you can control and everything else will just fall into place. You just got to have faith that there is, there is a plan. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways that you feel like you've exhibited toughness throughout your basketball career? Oh, uh, I mean, I think you just exhibit toughness every day when you go out there, when you're not feeling it. Um, this could be this can be long. I mean, we're in season basically the entire year. I think we've done the math, and you get roughly a month off every single year when you uh, go home. You come back for summer workouts. You got a couple weeks, and you come back for school and workouts start right away. And you just you got to be mentally tough throughout that whole process because you're working a full time job and going to school, and then you got to study on top of that. So it's just focusing on making sure that you are taking care of your body, you're taking care of your schoolwork, and you're still finding time to enjoy the college experience. That's an important one. Yeah, <laughs> it goes fast. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's the toughest person in your life? Oh man, that one that one would be tough. You know? I think my dad's pretty tough, but I also think my little brother's pretty tough because in high school he played uh for about 6 weeks on a broken leg playing football. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Did he know it? No, nope, not until about the last week. Whoa. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know what? If Talon can do it, I can do it. We're good. Wow. <laughs> Wow. How, so how did they catch it? Did it was it a partial break and then um, it broke all the way? Or? I'm not entirely sure. It didn't break all the way, but he was playing and he took a helmet to the shin, and his trainer in high school just thought it was a bruise, so she kept trying to rub it out, rub it out. He was like, no, it still hurts, it still hurts, and finally they got. I think it was about the week before playoffs, and he went and had a X-ray done. The doctor's like, well, you broke your leg but it's already healing, so I'm going to put you in this boot. So he missed the last couple of weeks of his season, but he played a good majority of his, uh, I want to say, junior season on a broken leg. He was healing while he was playing on it. Yeah. The body is weird. Yeah. The body is so weird. Man, um, what about your dad? Why does, why does he exhibit toughness? I think it's just, um, I mean, he's also a football player, so you always just picture football players being really tough, but – he does everything that he can for all of us and he works a job and um, he takes care of my siblings and I and my mom and uh, they drive forever to support all of us at all of our stuff. Uh, Friday night, my sister was playing basketball for Substate, which is the playoff interstate in Kansas on the opposite side of the state, close to Oklahoma and Colorado, and they drove 12 hours to get here for senior day on Saturday. Wow. Yep, through the night, got here about 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Uh, Do they remember the game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Were they, yeah. Were they <laughs> I don't know. I just, they were just taking naps while I was at shoot-around, but, you know, I think that's wow. just – it proves how tough my dad is and how much he's willing to do for all of us. Yeah, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I saw I saw the army of the Clausens there yeah. on, on Saturday. I didn't realize they had driven through the night. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I probably should have started with this, but uh, congratulations on the Good Neighbor Award. Oh, thanks. That's terrific. The, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference, for our listeners, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference gives out i think it's just 30 throughout the conference the entire year you're one of 10 for the winter sports to get the good neighbor award 100 hours uh over 100 hours of community service for you why was that aspect of 
what you've gotten involved with here on campus so important to you to give back to the community? Um, like you mentioned earlier, I'm from a college town, and I saw that the I saw the impact that collegiate athletes could have on the community and on little kids. Like, and I was one of those little kids that looked up to all these players because I remember watching all of them. I remember when Coach Stein was at Mizzou and watching watching Kiki play, um, and I think it's important that little kids here see us and see that you know we're just we're just people too, but that we support the community as much as they support us and anytime that I can volunteer I'll do it because I enjoy it and uh, I think it's I think it's important what do they do when when young people approach you and know that you're a division one college basketball player what do they usually say to you what does a, a five six seven year old little girl say to you I mean they just kind of walk up and they say hi and then they are like oh you, you can I take a picture and and then I've had a couple you know to ask what what do you work on um, and I, you, know, you just got to tell them everything. I mean, you got to make sure your shot's good. You got to make sure you can dribble. But it's really just making sure that you can do the fundamentals right because if you can do the fundamentals, you can do anything. How rewarding is that for you? You mentioned Christelle and Garcinet, one of the assistant coaches who played for Coach Stein at Mizzou. Uh, you remember them. You looked up to them. And you saw Division One players when you were young. Uh, how rewarding is it for you to, to know that you're now in the leadership role that – you saw people in when you were younger I honestly I think it's really cool I mean I don't think there's anything like it and if I can affect one person the way that all of those players affected me then you know I think I've I think I've done my job as a collegiate player not only on the court and in the classroom but you know letting little girls show, see that they can do anything that they want to do and I think that's really important another one of the projects you're involved in was the department-wide uh, holiday helping hands, mm -hmm. uh, delivering gifts to, to the less fortunate around the community. Uh, what was, uh, recall one or two stories of, of delivering that and the reactions that you get. What was the most rewarding part of that? Uh, you know, we had to take two cars to, dri to drop off all the presents. Um, I think that was that was amazing to me was that we couldn't fit it in just one car. We had it in the passenger seat, the back seats, the trunk, everything. There was no space left. We couldn't cram any more in there. And we drove to Marion to drop it off uh, with the United Way. And we walked in the door and they said, oh, you can put it right here. And we took up their entire front office area. Wow. And they said, that, I mean, that was their reaction. And I think that that just spoke volumes of how willing everybody in this department is to help everybody because we helped i want to say roughly 40 individuals from families in the community and that i mean that was simple we just went to walmart and got supplies that everybody has for everyday use that we don't think much about but to these families it was it was a lot. I mean, it was pillows. It was toothbrushes. It was toys for a little five-year-old. Like, that, to me, that's simple, and that's something that we could do very easy. But to them, that might have made their whole Christmas, and I really hope that they continue it next year because I, I think it's important that we, that we help those that are less fortunate than ourselves. How many of those people did you get to hear back from? Uh, we haven't heard back from any of them. Uh, we tried to remain anonymous. Okay. Because we thought that was important, that they just know that people in the community thought of them. 
but we didn't want any of the credit for it. Right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, let's let's talk about your your educational background too. You got your bachelor's degree. Yep. In management. Now you're you're getting your MBA. 4.0 GPA. Yeah. In grad school. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? Uh. A lot With all of you studying. got going on, <laughs> a lot yeah, of study. That's crazy. Uh, really, really good classmates that helped me out a lot. Um, really good professors, and I guess just um, understanding the material. I I can't I can't make up any any excuse. Then you know, sometimes I study, sometimes I don't. <laughs> sure. I probably should study more than I do. But I've been very blessed with some really good professors. What's the difference between undergrad professors and grad professors in dealing with a student-athlete schedule? Is there, is there more leniency? Is there less leniency in grad school? Um, is there more understanding, less understanding? I think for some of my professors, I was the first student-athlete that they had had in a grad class. So they weren't quite sure what to make of my uh, absence release form. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but be gone Wednesday through Sunday. Right, Sorry. Right. But for the most part, they were they were really cool about it, and they were understanding. And if I missed an assignment or I missed a test, they would work with me to make it up. Um, my classmates were the same. If we had a group presentation that day, they worked with me so we could move it to another day if I was going to be gone because of a game. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that takes an army yeah it? yeah uh you you mentioned before how you've got a coaching job lined up and i'm sure this is the uh the evergreen question right now for you you're getting it from everybody but uh i mean five ten years down the road where do you see yourself oh man that that one's hard i'm still trying to decide but uh i, I definitely want to be involved in athletics whether that's as a coach uh as an athletic director anything that i can do to just help student athletes be in the position that I'm in um, you know I, I want to be a Hillary to people I want to be a Connor um, I just I want to be a Jeff mm. you know it's just anybody anybody that can help student athletes just uh, progress into the real world and realize that they're not just student athletes that they can be the CEO they can be the CFO they can just be a a small business owner or whatever they want to do it's it's possible and athletics has helped that yeah you want to be back in kansas i want to be closer to home it doesn't have to necessarily be kansas but i feel like i've missed a lot being here even though i've gained so much um i definitely don't want to keep missing what i'm missing sure and get back to that that one finger wave yeah that one finger wave <laughs> <laughs> just don't bring the other version back to Kansas <laughs> yeah, <you>. yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a pleasure to get to know you thanks a lot for your time oh yeah no problem that's uh that's caitlin clausen here on week six of the saluki standards podcast